I love Christmas carols. I know that for musicians, Christmas carols are a pain in the rear end. The chords that they use in Christmas carols have to be somehow unique and special and difficult and you gotta get your fingers in all and and then they change so quickly right from one chord to the next but I love Christmas carols there's just such a, a wonderful thing to be able to sing uh, these beautiful messages of God's love for us of his um, presence with us of his gift um, in Jesus Christ coming to the earth, it is uh, a wonderful thing. There is one, I, I have been um, a fan of the group Mercy Me uh, from the moment that I first heard their Christmas Sessions um, CD. came out years ago. It's still one of my favorite CDs. Um, the, the songs that, uh, that they have put together there are just Marvelous. There is one, and I was listening to it again as I was coming here this morning. It is an adaptation of, make sure I get this right, um, uh, Angels We Have Heard on High. They call it Gloria. Um, but it, it is, it, it's, it's just this song that every time that I hear it, it just grabs me. Uh, there is, uh, there is this, This emotion that, that, that wells up in me. It starts off in, in, in singing of, of the, the celebration that is happening there on Christmas Eve in Bethlehem, right? The angels in the realms of glory singing their song of praise. Talks about the shepherds joining in that chorus and, and, and raising their hearts and voices in praise of our King. It talks about Mary and Joseph too praising God for His great gift. And, and it all culminates this crescendo into uh, the song of the angels. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. And there's just this building towards this wonderful celebration of all that God has done for us. But then Mercy Me in their rendition, it all of a sudden brings it all down. And it, and it asks this question that gets me every time. How could heaven's heart not break on the day that He came? <laughs> the picture is... It, it, it's, it's in the midst of all of this celebration... As, as all of humanity raises their voices in praise and worship of God's great gift that He has sent. And yet heaven knew the cost that this coming would have. It's, it's kind of like when you send your child off to the first day of school. Right? There is great celebration in them taking this next step of this important part of their lives of, of learning and education and all that's going to happen. But, but when you 
put them on that bus or send them out that door, you know that there is a world of heartache that they are going to experience. That there will be suffering that you can't protect them from. That they will need to experience in order for them to be able to grow. And, and, and this grabs my heart. How could heaven, how could God, how could the angels not more? How could they be celebrating knowing knowing all that Jesus was going to be going through? That heaven was now missing this essential person, the central figure in the, the divine community that has existed for all of eternity, suddenly that seat around the table is, is empty. The, uh, the captain of the angel of hosts is no longer there to lead his troops. No longer there to, to lead the singing of the angels. There was an emptiness in heaven. Not only that, they knew the path that Christ had to walk. God had been prophesying this, revealing this to, to humanity right from the very beginning. The last time we looked at this, we, we talked about this proto-evangelion, the first good news that comes to us in Genesis chapter 3. It, it, right in the, the midst of humanity's sin and failure where God gives this hope that there will be a seed of the woman who will crush the head of evil, who will victor over the, the enemy, the one who's trying to, to who has, who's successfully lured and deceived humanity into following after their own idea of what is good and right. That there would come this Messiah who would set the people free. But it would come at a cost. That through His own sacrifice, through His own bruising of His heel, would that salvation be made available. God knew right from the very beginning the suffering that this coming would take. He spoke about it time and time again through His prophets and, and, and none more clearly than in Isaiah chapter 53. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to, to turn to, uh, to this familiar prophecy, this familiar passage. Isaiah chapter 53. And, and if you haven't taken the time to, to study through Isaiah 40 all the way through the end, you are missing some amazing promises where God is speaking about His suffering servant. The one who would serve, who would, who would meet the needs, who would come and, and set the people free, but would do it at great cost. And in Isaiah 53, verses 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement, the, the punishment 
that brought us peace. And with His stripes, we are healed. All of we, just like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone has has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How could heaven's heart not break at this coming? But then that bridge continues on and it gives us the answer. Salvation is reason to celebrate on that day that He came. It's because of God's great love that the angels were able to sing glory to God in the highest. It's because of the evidence of God's love there wrapped in swaddling clothes in the manger, that the shepherds went away telling everyone of what the angels had revealed to them, of what God had brought to this world, this Savior who was Christ the Lord. It's because of God's love that Mary and Joseph were able to to share in that celebration. To think deeply on all the things that God had already revealed to them about the coming of this Christ, this Messiah. And they were able to worship and celebrate. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is completely motivated out of love. It was love that empowered His ministry. His willingness to go out into the world to, to teach the message that the Father was giving to Him. To speak those words even though knowing that in speaking those words He would receive opposition. He would be persecuted. He would be Attacked, and yet it was it was his his love that empowered him to go out into the world to speak that message of hope, to to set the people free, to recognize that that the nation of Israel was being held captive by a lie, a, a distortion of what God had established with His people there on Mount Sinai. And through his prophets and through the kings and through the priests and through the, the, the Passovers and the rituals, the feasts, the, the celebrations, all of that had been twisted to hold people captive. And it was his love that empowered him to be able to go out and set people free. It was his love that propelled him to the cross. I don't know if you remember years ago there was a, a video series put out on the, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, 
And it was just an in-depth following verse by verse the whole life of Christ in the, the Gospel of Matthew. And and the, the, the gentleman, the actor who played the part of Christ, I've forgotten his name, wrote a book talking about his experiences as playing Jesus. One of the insights that uh, he has tons in, it's absolutely worth getting the book um, to read his process of, of preparation and, and how God was working in the, in the making of that, uh, of that video series and everything. But one of the insights that, that uh, just blew me away He's talking about this as, as, as he is uh, preparing for that, uh, carrying the cross up to Golgotha. And, and he was talking about the, the actual physical exertion that it was to be able to carry that cross. Uh, even for him who hadn't gone through all of the torture and everything else, the, the, the physical strength that it required to, to carry those heavy beams along the road to get it up there. And he said, I realized why Joseph was chosen to be the father of Jesus. Because Jesus needed to have that that, that lifelong preparation of working with those heavy timbers as a carpenter to be able to, to have the strength to, to build that up in his life so that, that when it came to this moment, it wouldn't be his, his physical endurance that would wane. That there would be nothing that would stop him from getting to that hill. To hanging on that cross because of his love for you. Most prisoners, as they were being carried, they were being directed to their own crucifixion. There was guards there to keep them from running away. Jesus didn't need the guards there to keep them. There was, there wasn't anybody that could stop him. From getting to that cross, he's suffering for you. It was his love that propelled him to the cross. It was his love that resurrected him out of that tomb and into our hearts, bringing us new life. It wasn't enough for Jesus to die on the cross. He also needed to be raised so that we could have the hope of new life. That we would have somebody that would be leading and guiding us, living His life through us so that we could reflect His character. So that we could walk through this life in the same way that He did. It was His love that resurrected Him out of the tomb. And as followers of Jesus, we are agents of that love. We are called to love our fellow human beings 
in the same way that Christ loved us. That we would sacrifice ourselves in order to extend His love into their lives. That it would be His love that would motivate us towards ministry in this world. Knowing that as we speak those words of truth, that there will be those that will do everything that they can to try and silence us. But it will be our love that will motivate us to continue on in that ministry. To continue speaking out that truth. No matter what the cost, because of our love for our brothers and sisters. This Christmas, what ways is is the Holy Spirit calling you to be an agent of that kind of self-sacrificing love? On this fourth Advent, as we focus our attention on the love of Christ, on the love of God our Father, What ways is He calling you to extend that love, that sacrifice towards people that are in your own home? To people that are in your neighborhood, your community. To those that are in our world who desperately need to know the saving love of Jesus Christ in their lives. What price will you pay to extend that love towards the hearts of others? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, too often, too often we We revel in Your love. And forget that it's meant to be given away. Too often, we prefer to to stay in the safety of Your presence. To stay in the safety of those places where there is no risk. And miss out on the opportunities of of people that You are bringing in our way that, that, that we could sacrifice in the same way that You sacrificed for us. Lord, we know the days are moving quickly. That soon, soon your return will happen. And there will be no more opportunity 
the judgment will be in place. And there will be no opportunity for, for people to be rescued from their sin. And Lord, we don't want to waste another moment this Christmas, Father. Would You propel us into a sacrifice for others? Would You get the attention, our attention off of our own selves and our own happiness and joy? And instead direct our attention onto those who have no joy, who have no hope. who have distanced themselves from Your love. Would You reveal that to us? Would You then motivate us and empower us to be able to carry out to those who are so unlovely to be able to share Your love and Your hope and Your peace? What a great celebration that will be as we see people that we know, people that we have contact with, that we would be able to see their lives transformed by Your love this Christmas. We need Your help. Lord, I... I need your spirit to be able to open up my eyes to see who are the ones that you're bringing in my way. I need your, uh, your spirit's uh, prompting to get out of my comfort zone and reach out to those. And so, Father, we ask that you would make it so in our lives, that you would make it so this Christmas. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.